0: Thank you for listening to this message from Troy First Assembly of God. We would love for you to join us on a Sunday morning if you're in the area. Our address is 432 South Lincoln Drive in Troy, Missouri. Otherwise, you can connect with us on Facebook. The link for our Facebook page can be found below. This message is about team, and very specifically, this message is about unity. Unity, being on the same team, working at the same goal, being part of one another. So I wanted to find terms at the very beginning because the first Sunday point, if we don't get past it, you won't get anything else out of this message. Unity is not uniformity. Well, Pastor, those words sure sound a lot like Well, what's the difference between unity and uniformity? Well, the best example I have of uniformity comes from Solomon. Yes, many good examples in church come from the Star Wars. But y'all know what a Stormtrooper is in Star Wars? It's the guys in the, in the white plastic suit. You'd think that far into the future that they'd have something better than white plastic to protect them, but definitely not. But if you know anything about the Stormtroopers, they all look just alike. And if you know the backstory of Stormtroopers, they're all clones. If you took that helmet off, they'd all look just alike. Uniformity is you got to think like me. You've got to look like me. You've got to act like me. You and me. we got to be in. That's uniform. And if something is uniform, this one looks just like that one. Okay? And then you line them up. Unity is different from uniformity. And I'm here to tell you guys, earlier days of the church in America, we tried uniformity. It doesn't work. Right. Uniformity is, well, you got to dress like I dress you got to, I mean, if, if I have a personal thing about earrings, then I'm going to impose that on you. If I have a personal thing about skirts or pants or whatever it is, we got to have us some uniformity. So you might have to conform to my, hey, no, i ain't interested in the Holy Spirit talking to you. No, 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 I want uniformity. And it doesn't work in church. Now, let's go and preach a second. It doesn't work in your family either. You know one of the cruelest tricks God ever plays on parents? They, that baby gets here and you think you're going to get to Right? How many of y'all ever have a child and they come in a, They arrive with a personality. I mean they get here. With, and you go, who taught you this? And then we all say the same thing. They are just like me. <laughs> that is just like your mother. That is just like your. We blame and say, y'all, there is something to DNA. I'm just telling you. There is something to it. But guys, before we ever had a child in my house, I had wonderful big dreams of Amber loving classical music and Amber having a real appreciation for cinema and old movies and new movies and good movies. You can't get that girl to sit down without her phone and watch a movie. You hate her. She has no interest in classical music. I can't tell you the number of times I sat her down and I said I could show you some things on the piano. Would you "No, sir, I appreciate it. I'm not interested." I had dreams of a child. be like me. Just... Y'all know the things she turned out to be like me in are not the good ones. <laughs> She's like, "Dear Lord, that ain't what I wanted." But I don't get you. You want to be happy in your home. Get used to the fact that your wife is never going to think like you. Amen. <laughs> I'm just telling you, most guys think in a straight line, point to point to point to point. When I ask Rebecca to think about something, she falls into it. She does. I mean, you can almost see the smoke just go. And she... You ask Rebecca to think this through with me now. I want us to make a decision. Let's talk about this for a second. And I'm thinking linearly. I'm thinking point to point point. And Rebecca will talk. And then she'll, she'll pull in a point over here. And a point over here. And I'm like, what does that have to do with anything? And we've been married long enough. And Rebecca says, if you would just push and let me get there. I'm getting there. And the women said, It's the truth. And y'all, in a weird sort of way. She gets there. But I can't think like a woman. I just cannot. And, and hear me say this. You can influence your children. You can teach your children. But you can't control them. Yep. You can't make them be something. And unfortunately, well, no, fortunately. God decides who they're going to be. Yes, he does. Sure. God, God hardwires us before we get here. God gifts us before we get here. I wish I could have picked my kids' gifts. Yes. I wish I could see you're going to be gifted like this and gifted like this. No, I don't get to. I don't get to do that. And if my goal is uniformity, all I'm going to do is be frustrated. When my kids, my wife, my mom, my relationships don't toe my line. They don't line up like I want them to be. But see, the Bible talks about this and tells us how God wants it to work. Look at what It says, if the whole body, your whole human body, if your whole body were an eye, how would you hear anything? Guys, if your entire body was made up of one eye, you would be a 50s hormone. the eye that ate clean. I'm just saying. Now, y'all, eye cells are very special cells. I mean, anybody here glad you got something? Yeah. Yeah. I Your eyes are spectacular because they can take visible light and turn it into electrical impulses that your brain interprets as color, motion. I mean, your eyes are something. But guys, is there anybody here glad you got two and no more? Right. I mean, wouldn't it be awful if you had, I mean, I know your mama has eyes in the back of her head, but she keeps them covered with hair. I mean, it would be awful if all you were were an eye. And how would you walk around anyway? How would you, hey, look, if you were just an eye, how would you ever do this? Any yeah. y'all glad you could do that? Yeah. I'm just saying, when you need to do that, nothing else will works. If your whole body were just in here, how would you smell anything? Look at this. Our bodies have many. The word many is Greek for various. Anybody here got a little toe? Got one on both feet, don't you? You don't ever give it much thought, do you? I think about mine once every three weeks or so when I have to. Cut my nails and I have like that diseased chick on my little toe. That's about the only time I ever think about my little toe. Unless I catch it on the bedpost. Then I think about that little toe. I'm just like, whoa. I'm telling you, isn't it funny how one little piece can make the rest of you hurt? I'm just saying, God put each part. You got many parts. And look at this. Who put the part stands? God. And how did he decide to put the parts there? How he wanted it. Anybody glad that your wife is not like you? I have a grandma. I couldn't kiss because she had a slight mustache. Dear Lord, if Rebecca had facial hair, we'd be in trouble. I'm just saying. I, just, I am so glad that she is, she's different. She's supposed to be different. Your kids are different. They're supposed to be different. The people you go to church with are different. We're supposed to be different. In fact, how strange a body would be if it only had one part. But what do we do? We like getting with the parts that's like us. I don't hang with my four, no more shut the door. And I, I'm just going, I want to get with the ones that's like me. And the truth of it is, y'all, God has set this thing up. Very different parts. Very different functions. Joined together to make one body. Now, let me ask you a question while we're on this human body. What do you call it when one part decides I'm not going to work in concert with all the other parts? I'm going to do my own thing. When one body part decides no, 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 I'm not going to cooperate. You know what? I'm about to walk in that direction. Well, my whole body walked here. And you know what? Before we started, my eyes checked it out to make sure there was anything in the way. And I, you see what I'm saying? And I committed my way. Once I have leaned into it, I gotta have a foot there, or I'm gonna fall down. Have any of y'all ever leaned into something and had something trip you? Your foot couldn't go where the rest of your body was putting your weight. When you have one body part not working in concert with the others, that's called a seizure. <coughs> When, when you are not all in, under the control of the head, that's a seizure. Let me give you another example. What if you had one highly functioning, I'm talking about overachiever in your body, and it's just doing a great job. In fact, it's doing a better job than anybody else. What if your bone marrow decided, I I'm on i it, and I'm going to produce 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 produce. You know what that's called leukemia. That's where you get leukemia, is if your bone marrow produces so many. How many of y'all know white blood cells are a good thing? They cleanse the body, they attack the infection, they attack disease. But you get too many white blood cells, and they start attacking things that don't need attacking. It'll kill you. It will kill the whole body. Well, pastor, all they're doing is overachieving. No, they're not working with every other part. Guys, when you have a part not working with every other part, that's trouble. That is trouble in your physical body. And, hear me say it, it's trouble in your house. you got one part that's deciding, I'm going to do my own thing. From hell or high water, I'm going to just do what I'm going to do. No. We are different. We have different (coughs) functions. We do not have uniformity. But thank God, we better have unity. We better be working toward the same thing. Now, next. I know y'all know this, so I'm not going to spend much time on it at all, but it has to be said. Just because the sermon point is familiar doesn't mean we don't need to hear it again. Amen? Unity makes us absolutely unstoppable. Unity makes us unstoppable. Another somewhat familiar sermon point. Back in Genesis 11, there's a bunch of heathens without God at all. Get it in their head, they're going to build a city for themselves, not for God. And they're going to build a tower to reach all the way to heaven. Apart from God, without God's blessing, without God's help, without God's enablement. And look at what the Bible says in the first four words of this is what I want you to get. And the Lord said, this isn't somebody's opinion. This is the truth. God said when these people got in one accord, one mind, look what God says. Behold, all that word means is, look, y'all. If you were reading this in South Mississippi, we don't say Behold. We say, hey, look y'all, God is saying, look, they are one people, they're unified. They all have the same language, they're working together, they're communicating. And this is what they've started to do, and now, nothing which they plan to do will be impossible for them. Guys. That's apart from God. That's contrary to God's will and God's word. And yet, God himself says, I tell you what, you get a group of people in unity, nothing they plan to do is going to turn out to be impossible for them. I heard a message last summer. Rebecca and I were in a, a leadership meeting. There was a guy there talking about how do you have a marriage that lasts forever? And he said, I'm going to preach the shortest sermon I've ever preached in my life. Mm-hmm. And how many of y'all would like to know, how do you have a marriage that lasts forever no matter what? And so Rebecca and I, everybody in the room, we just went, I want to know that. Any of y'all want to know? Because I can preach that sermon in just, just one second here. Yeah. You want to know, how do you have a marriage that lasts forever no matter what? I right, watch right here. The way you have a marriage that lasts forever no matter what is you have a marriage that lasts forever, no matter what. <laughs> <laughs> Is that simple? I mean, I know that sounds simplistic, but guys, it's that simple. Rebecca, believe me when I tell you, our total will be 40 years with her living with me and me living with her. And believe me when I tell you, Mr. Right, Miss Right can get on your nerves if you give them enough time. The perfect, I mean y'all, God's perfect choice for you can absolutely tick you off. There are times that I just think, oh, I just love back so much. I mean, there are times that I can just watch her sleeping and I'm like, I'm the only guy ever. I just love you, love you, love you. And then, there's days when I hate the way you chew. I, I, have any of y'all been married long enough to have a getaway from me? It has nothing to do with I love you. has nothing to do with I'm going to stay with you. It just has to do with I love you. I've had enough of you right now. I just need to. Watch right here. Let me put my hand squarely in the middle of your chest and back you up. Because i got to have a little space. Now it always surprises me when Rebecca does this to me, because I am just sweetness and light. I cannot match it. What I mean but you know, I, Rebecca, at times she's just like, "Okay, I need you to be somewhere else." You know, so didn't know her to hear her say that. To you. I just need you to be somewhere else. We don't have trouble. That's not trouble. We love each other. And we've, we've been married long enough to fall in and out of the infatuation many times. I have had the goo-goo eyes and brought you flowers for no reason. We've done that many times. But you know what people aren't teaching young people these days? They aren't teaching young people that the Hollywood infatuation version of love comes and goes. Right. And when you fall out of the infatuation, hang on, you'll fall back in. How do you have a marriage that lasts forever? You have a marriage that lasts forever. Guys, unity means we are unstoppable. If we prioritize the unity above what I want, believe me, we've had those days. I'm not proud of it, but I have. I have. I have slammed the garage door and gotten in my car and driven away and told the Lord. You won't let me kill it, and I'm not leaving you, so we've got to work this out. I don't know how we're going to work it out, but we've got to work it. When you make the decision, we're together, we're going to be in unity. And guys, I'm telling you, for your families, for your spouse, for your relationship, that's how you do your parents. Unless you're just indecent. That's how you do your parents. That's my mama. My mother lived with us for three and a half years before she went home to be with the Lord. And it was not easy. Many of you know my mother. Knew my mother. It wasn't easy. But you know what? Never in a second did I think I needed to do something else because that's my mom. You do what you do. Absolutely. You make it work. Guys, you make it work because you prioritize unity over, well, Pastor, I'm right. Boy, ain't this a cool message. (laughs) Next, this is the Tim Ritchie point. I tell you, every once in a while, I'll be somewhere and somebody will say something offhand and the Lord will just elbow me in the ribs and say, did you get that? That was from me and that was for you. And I was sitting in a board meeting before Tim Ritchie cycled off the board. And Tim just said this offhandedly. And I'm telling you, it just hit me like a ton of bricks. Unity is crucial if you're being stretched. If you're in a place you're going to be stretched unity. Guys, we have got to have unity. If a wine skin really is being stretched because it's full of new wine, you tell me, what's the spot that's going to give? (coughs) It's the spot that's not holding together well. Years ago, when I was doing triathlons, you know, they, they give you a swim cap. And that thing, I mean, it starts off that big. And you're supposed to pull it over your head. So it really stretches to get over your head. Now once, I like them because I put it over my ears. I don't want ears full of water for the rest of the race, so I'll put it over my ears. Once I had one that had a pinhole in it. I didn't know it. And when I went to stretch that thing over my head, That pinhole that was in the crown of that cap ran like like a hose. And all of a sudden, it just parted.
1: Now, the whole
0: thing didn't have a lack of integrity, didn't have a lack of holding together. But there was a spot where the thing wasn't together. And that spot, but any of you ladies old enough to remember pantyhose. Oh yeah. Don't oh, okay, straight from hell. I mean <laughs> some of you younger know, folks, y'all will never know the struggle was real. The struggle was hard. I grew up in a family with a mom that was an emergency room nurse. She wore knee high, little knee highs. She never wore pantyhose. And so it was me and my brother and my mama. There were no girls in that family. And so the, the, I mean, for the first three years of our marriage, you have to understand, we were married back in the day, which meant you go to church. To Rebecca you. wore dresses and skirts and pantyhose. She bought cool. pantyhose in the egg. Yeah.
1: Oh, I'll just say, y'all,
0: anybody yeah. know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Pantyhose <laughs> in the egg. Oh, and I cannot tell you the number of fights she and I had over. We're poor. We ain't got money anyway. And I can buy a pair of socks and wear them for five months. And you buy a pair of these pantyhose and you put your finger through it on the first day. <laughs> I get some that. Rebecca was the queen of clear fingernail polish. you all know the Because <laughs> if you start to get a run, you put a dot of clear fingernail polish. Now some of you guys are going, I understood about all this because it was my money going to these pantyhose. <laughs> You put a dot to stop the run. But once the once starts to run, that, that spot it how many of y'all know it's just gonna go? Yeah, it's just gonna and you where does it give? In the weak part. In the part that it does not have you uni- <laughs> not unified with integrity. That's the word you use. My son-in-law works for Boeing on an Air Force base. And you know what? They work with missiles. And they will talk about the fuselage having integrity. Do you know what integrity means in that context? It means it holds together. It doesn't mean it's telling the truth. It means it holds together. And if something pulls apart, tears apart, it's going to rip at the weak spot where it doesn't have dignity. Now, preach for the family. When you're going into a stressful situation, you're going into a time you're going to be stretched. Has anybody here ever moved? <laughs> <laughs> I swear, the next time I move, I'm going to just hire an arsonist and tell them, we got the pictures, burn the rest of it down. I'm not having arsonists. Just burn it. Is that is there is there much more stressful than moving? I hate moving. But if you're going into a situation that is going to be stressful, watch right here. The devil's gonna give you opportunity to have a falling out in family. How many of y'all know Jesus was telling the truth when he said, offenses will come? Lord, <laughs> Jesus knew what he was talking about then, didn't he? <clears throat> The devil's going to see to it that you have opportunities to fall out of one another. The devil's going to try to pit you against your kids, your spouse, your family. Don't take the pain. Don't take the pain. When you're being stretched, when you're under stress, that's the time to hold on to each other more. What you need to do is have pickle faith. Anybody ever buy a jar of dill pickles, like the big plastic whole dill pickles? Do you know that pickles have so much love for each other that it's almost impossible to get that first pickle out of the jar? Because you want to the lid, and those pickles all say to each other, if we hold on to each other, ain't none of us getting it. <laughs> so the pickles hold on to each other. you try. Trying to get that first pickle, and the pickles in there going, "Ah, just hold on, Everett. He's going to get <laughs> you." Y'all need to have pickle faith that holds that. Because if we all stick together, then nobody getting taken out of the jar. Once you and, and guys, that that analogy works beautifully. Because how many of y'all know? Once you get that first pickle out, all the rest of them come easy. You get any pickle, you want out of the jar. But that first, because they got unity. They that pickle you. That is the dumbest sermon illustration I've ever heard of. <laughs> God, Paul writes to the church that was constantly fighting in 1 Corinthians. They had fights over what they could and couldn't eat, fights over who they could and couldn't sleep with. Fights over which preacher was the best. Oh, I like Paul. Not me. I like that guy, Apollos over there. He's my. I, I tell you, I am in the Apollos church. No, no, no. I, God, the whole book of First Corinthians is Paul trying to referee arguments and quarrels. And look what he says in the first chapter. Y'all, no, I'm begging you. I'm sorry. I'll read you the scripture. Now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. What He is saying is, I am begging y'all, by the name of Jesus, that you all stay together. Speak the same thing. That there be no division, no cracks, no beginnings of a run. How many of y'all ever have pantyhose? No. All you gotta have is the slightest beginning of a run, and then as soon as you stretch that over your thighs. And, let there be no beginning of a run among you. So that you be perfectly joined together like that piece of In the same mind, in the same present. I'm begging y'all. Hold together. Cut out of the same cloth. Not patched together, not hot glued. But made of one fabric. That way, in your family, in your workplace, in this church when the stretching comes, when we all start getting pushed or shoved out of our comfort zone, when we're dealing with something new, the place the thing's going to rip apart, if it does rip, is the place our unity is compromised. One last word about this, and and I just want you to get it. You're going to be faced with a choice. Every time there's relationship relational trouble, you're faced with you a choice. You can either dig your heels in and be right, or you have a right relationship. And I'm, I'm here to tell you, Jesus prioritizes right relationships over making sure everybody knows you're right. Now, let me set your mind at ease. If you are right. God's the biggest fan of the truth there ever was. If you're right, God will see to it that that comes to the forefront. God will take, if you are in the right. But think this one through, guys. Who ever walked this planet that was more right than Jesus? He was always right. He was always loving. Always, Even when he called the Pharisees whitewashed. washed. He was trying to get them to turn around not enter into destruction. He was trying to be loving, trying to help. Jesus was right. But, when he was faced with a complete and utter injustice being done to him, he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Now, do you want to know what justice would have looked like as they were nailing him to the cross? Do you want to know what's right? What's right, what is appropriate, what, is, what should have happened by all rights is he should have called 10,000 angels. Because he was, he was convicted unjustly. He was nailed to that tree unjustly. Actually, he was nailed to that tree for the sins you did. right? For the sins right. I did. I mean, if anything could be... Well, well, Pastor, that's not right. No, it's not. But Pastor, you don't understand what they did to me. That's not fair. I'm sorry. The king of walking through not fair, I believe, is Jesus Christ. And yet, what did he prioritize in that moment? Having a right relationship with you down the road. He saw you coming, and he said, There is no way in the world I can get close robin children unless I take their sins because they're never going to be able to pay for them themselves. They won't make it. They simply won't make it. And I'd rather have a relationship with those two than dig my heels in and be right right now. Now, you understand, when Jesus prioritized right relationship, God highly exalted him. And the truth came out resounding. Three days later, the truth of all of it came out in a way that nobody could say anything about it. But you know what? He had to walk through the laying down of himself. And I'm just telling you, I, because I love you, you can you absolutely alienate one of your children by digging your heels in and being right. You can lose a kid that way. Yep. I've known people do it you can wreck your relationship with your mom or dad and have the self-satisfied knowledge of, well, it wasn't fair and I'm right. What's crazy is Jesus did it that way. He laid down his rights so that he could have a right relationship with us. And then Jesus has the absolute audacity to say, Hey Mary, I want you to do it like I did. I'm not asking you to do anything I hadn't done. And how many of y'all know it was worse for him than it ever is for us? But he asks us, he said, love each other this way. Guys, Valentine's Day is coming up. You want to know the absolute most loving thing you can ever do? I tell you, verse 3. It's not flowers, it's not candy. It's not a hug, it's not a kiss. The most loving. Jesus like thing you can do is to be offended, genuinely offended, and decide, I'm not picking that offense up. I'm going to walk around it and leave it in it and forgive and move straight on forward and don't bring it up again. But Pastor, you don't understand. I write. Oh I understand. Oh Jesus understands. But I'm telling you, some of y'all this week, you're gonna be faced with a situation where you've go, got a choice. You won't be right or you won't keep a right relationship. I hate this message. <laughs> I know it's what some of y'all hate. I'm going to say that. Look at what the Bible says Ephesians. Make every effort. What that is in Greek is go as far as you can possibly go. Exhaust yourself. Exhaust your resources. Give every ounce you can. To keep the oneness of the Spirit in the bond of peace. In the bond of peace. Every individual working together to make the whole successful. (coughs) Every individual working together to make the whole successful. Dear Lord, can you imagine what your family would look like if everybody would do this? If you, your spouse, your kids, everybody in the mix, your parents, your everybody, if everybody would work together to make the whole successful. And you know what? Whenever one of us is successful, we all rejoice. I don't know about y'all. I'm proud of my daughter when she does well. I'm not jealous. I don't wish her ill. Dear Lord, I want her to be more successful than me. I want her. I want Rebecca to be fulfilled and successful. I'm sitting here going, well, it sure has costed a lot of money for her to go on that mission trip. I'm the one that goes on mission trips. I've been to Africa. I can't believe we're going to spend that in her shoes. No. You know what my thought is? Thank God. Thank God. Because apart from me, she's going to do a lot of people a lot of good. I won't be standing there. She doesn't need me for that. She's the wrong person. And I'm thrilled that she's the wrong person. Because you know what? How do you say this and still be nice? I can't bear up under the burden of being the only person that she interfaces. I'm glad she has friends. I'm glad she has a life. I'm glad she, she had a life when I met her. She had friends. She, had, she was a person. And I don't expect her world to revolve around me. I expect her world to revolve around Jesus. Amen. And thank God we're on a similar orbit. I'm just grateful to be in the same orbit as we go together. But guys, make every effort to keep the oneness of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Y'all work together for the whole, not for yourself, for the whole. And when you work for the whole, it blesses every individual person in the whole. In the bond of peace. Anybody here got a pop stirrer in your family? I know nobody's raised for that one. You know what a pop stirrer is, right? Somebody that just delights in wrecking the peace in any given situation. I mean, you just can't stand the thought of, can we just be at peace? No, let's get into this. I mean, I have seen people walk into a room and say, why don't we see if we get a good argument going? I'm like, no, no, no! He didn't know. I didn't know for that. Last sermon point. We're done for the morning, <coughs> guys. Please remember, we're all on the same team here. This is the second point to be read. Outdone, frustrated. Please remember, we're all on the same team here. Good. Say this with me. Frustrated. Like you've said it 15 times, and they're still not listening. Okay. Remember. Say it with me, please. Remember, we're all on the same team here. guys. if we can get that in the frustration that it was meant, look at the scripture. I want you to see this. So the people argued, quarreled with Moses, saying, we got to have water. Give us water so that we might drink. And Moses said, why in this world do y'all argue with me? Have I ever been your problem?" Why are you testing the Lord? Now, somebody tell me that's read the Bible before. Did anybody in Israel die of thirst? Not a one. Did God ever not plan for them? Not a time. They have no frame of reference for God's going to let us thirst to death. But the first time they get thirsty, the 75th time they got thirsty. They all said the same thing. People were thirsty for water there and they grumbled against Moses like Moses had water in his hip hop. Stupid. Why is it that you brought us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? Hear me say this, guys. Boy, this this is a spectacular sermon point. You get in trouble. I get in trouble when we assign motives where there are none. That's true. That's true. Did Moses bring him out of Egypt to kill him? No. Did God bring him out of Egypt to kill him? No. If God had wanted to kill him, he could have killed him 15 times before. He could have left him just sitting by the Red Sea and not opened it. Ah, they don't need you. No, God is not killing them. But what do they jump to? An accusation. Oh, somebody hear me. This will help your family if you'll hear me. This will help this church if you'll hear me. Just because an action happens, do not assign a motive to that action. Because it may not exist. They're thirsty. They don't see any water. They jump to the conclusion of, what did you bring us out here to kill us? We'd have been better if we'd have just stayed back home. Whoa, 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 hold up. Cool your jets. Watch right here, frustration. We're all on the same team here, dude. We're supposed to all be working together. What are y'all doing? And guys, I've seen this tear up churches. I've seen it tear up churches. I've seen it tear up families. I've seen assigning a motive where there is no motive. There is no fault. There is no intent. Y'all, I have have said it myself. Women and men think so differently. They just think differently. And I tell you, I I have asked Rebecca before. Something happens and she'll do something and I feel slighted. I feel tread upon. And I will say, what were you thinking? Expecting that she thought it through and hurt my feelings. And she said, I wasn't thinking about that. I never intended to hurt your feelings. I didn't. And in my masculine anger in the moment, I was stupid enough to say, What were you thinking? Because I'm expecting her to think like I do. I'm expecting uniformity. I'm expecting there to be a motive behind an action when no motive existed. Now I'm being real transparent, real honest with y'all, because I'm telling you stuff like this is is death in relationship. It's death in your family. It's death in your workplace. It's death in in your church. Well, the pastor said this. but The pastor made that decision, and and I'm just sure he just walked all over us. When the truth of it is, it never entered my mind. I'm sorry. I cannot tell you the number of people I have involuntarily hurt that I never get a chance to apologize to because they assign a motive that never existed, and they walk out the doors, and it breaks my heart. And they'll tell you, Joseph did this, when the truth of it is anybody that knows me know I've been over backwards before I hurt somebody like that. That's true. Amen. And I'm so... But what do you do when nobody even gives you a chance to make it right, a chance to apologize? And guys, we do this with members of our family all the time. We do it with kids. We do it with parents. We do it with spouses. We assign motives. What? Did you bring us out here to kill us? And look at what Moses does. Moses cries out to the Lord and says, What am I supposed to do? Dude, you put me in charge of this bunch, but just a little bit more, and they're going to kill me. And so the Lord said to Moses, Go out of the people. Take with you some of the elders and taking your hand, the staff, which you struck the an eye, and go, look, I'm going to stand before you at the rock at Horah, and, and I want you to stand there and hit that rock, and water's going to come out of the rock so that all the people may drink. 2.1 million people, by the way. That's a big gush of water coming out of the rock. Water appeared out of nowhere. God miraculous, guys, time after time after time after time. time. God miraculously provided for them. They had no reason to jump to the conclusion of did you bring us higher to kill us? But it's human nature. It's human nature. And if you don't think like I think, and I think you ought to, how many of y'all have ever said this? Well, how could you do that? I would never. Ever been hurt in a way by a person you cared about, and you all you can think is, "I would have never hurt a person like that." And the truth of it is, nine times out of ten, that person does care about you. They're just oblivious for a second. And before we get on our high horse of judgment, how many times have we inadvertently, not knowing, just didn't think it through, didn't? You ever had somebody be really hurt? And you go, oh my gosh, I never meant that. You took that so differently than I meant it. I I didn't mean that. No, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. God is assigning a moment where there is none. We're all on the same team here. One last example, and we're done for the morning. Rebecca, would you help me I learned this from a dear friend who has psychology training as well as Bible training. But I'm telling you, I love this technique because I love the technique on its feet, how it works, but I love what it says scripturally. So I want you to get this. When you have a problem between the two of you, spouse to spouse, parent to child, child to child, when you're out of trouble with a person, don't sit on opposite sides of the same table. Because like this, it's me against you. And I'm like, and we have a problem here. And honestly, I think it's you. <laughs> <laughs> this is confrontational. This is adversarial. When you deal with a problem in a relationship, let me be telling you, this will work, guys. It's stupid, but it will work. Try it. Get on the same side of the table. Same side. And take an inanimate object. It could be a salt shaker. It could be a pack of, of crackers. <laughs> <laughs> and start like this. I love you, but the two of us, we got a problem. And this is, this is where the problem is. When you say this, this hurts me. Or when I say this, it, we have got to deal with a problem. But look, that's the problem. You're not the problem. I'm not the problem. That's the problem. We need to fix the problem. It's not that I need to fix you or you've got to fix me. We have a, a joint problem. There, it is. Put it in an inanimate object. Because the scripture says we wrestle not against flesh and blood. You're not fighting people. And the devil would like nothing more than you to fight your spouse, fight your parents, fight your child. But identify the problem and externalize the problem. And then, will that be how we Okay, and even if we come down to we can't fix that, the two of us got to come up with a way we can get around it. Share it. Get around it. What's a, what Sometimes, guys, Rebecca and I get into something in our own relationship. There's not a fix. She thinks what she thinks. I think what I think. And we're both right. But what you come to is, what's the workaround? How do we, how do we strategize this and work around Guys, this works in all kinds of relationships. By working together and externalizing the problem, we both attack the problem. If you attack each other, you'll never address the problem. All you will do, and I thank you, baby. Y'all thank Rebecca for all of you. <clears throat> if you attack a person, hear your pastor who loves you tell you the truth. They'll get defensive. How many of y'all get defensive? How many of you, if you attack me, here's the first thing I'm going to do, justify myself. Well, you don't understand why I did what I did. Let me explain to you why. And here I go justifying. When if you come to me and say, together we got an issue, let's, how do we get around this? How do we get around this? How do we get past this thing? Because you know what? I ain't splitting up. You and I are not, Judy, you and I are going to work together until we both go home to see Jesus. And if we got a problem, we'll attack the problem, but I, I refuse to attack you. I'm just not going to. You see, it doesn't just work spouse-wise. It works with friends. It works with coworkers. It works with employees. It works with bosses. Dear Lord, give your boss the benefit of the doubt and try to work with them. I know this is just a weird message, isn't it? But y'all, especially if you're under stress, especially if you're in a time where you're going to be stretched, the thing's going to come apart at the place you're not unified. One more scripture and we're done for the morning. It's true that if one part of the body suffers, all parts suffer with it. Y'all know that's true? If one part, anybody here ever have a hangnail? I'm not talking about a regular hangnail. I'm not talking about one that starts here and goes to your elbow. I'm ah! talking about bleeding hangnail, that kind that you, how? And then it affects everything. Or here, watch right here. Here's the best example for one part of the body hurting and it absolutely affected everything. Anybody here ever had a bad tube? Uh-huh. <laughs> Can't you feel it in the house? Just go. Uh, I'm telling you what, you get one tooth that's in trouble. I mean, you convinced, anybody ever been convinced your head's coming off? I mean, it's shooting up the back of your neck. That the worst pain I've ever experienced in my life I was sitting in the dentist chair. Matt Mosher, my dentist, told me, he said, now you know you're in trouble. How do you know you're in trouble? If your dentist ever tells you, you might want to grab the arms of the chair. <laughs> Brother, you are in trouble. And I said, did you flunk bedside Matt? Because he's a friend of mine. We were in small group together at, at the previous church. I said, Matt, did you flunk that bedside now? And you know what he said? No, no, Joseph, this is going to be brutal. <laughs> okay. Holy crap. So he said, really, you might want to grab the arms of the chair. Which is strange, because in the next moment, the only parts of me that was touching the chair was my hands my arms and the crown of my head. The rest of me stood up in that seat. Ah, I mean, hey, you know what it was? It was an abscess that would not let go. When he finally got to it and relieved the pressure, I mean, it was like the Eastern skycrack. It was. It hurt for him to get to it. But hear me say, when he relieved the infection, when he got to it, Guys, some of us are holding on to infection. And you're right, but boy, you're hurting. Some of y'all have a relationship with your own mom. Relationship with your own dad. You're right, but you're hurting. Some of y'all have a relationship with one of your kids. You're right, but you're hurting. And when one part of us hurts, it's not me saying this. It's the Bible. All parts suffer with it. And when one of them is honored, all your hearts rejoice. All your hearts rejoice. Guys, you will only be helping yourself if you'll help the whole. If you'll help the group, help the bunch, help your family, help your workplace. dear Lord, how many of us are absolutely no different from the world when it comes to going to work and grousing about the guy in charge? Complaining about the work and you complain We look no different from the world at all. Yeah. And guys, this is a year of stretch for this church. And I'm telling you, you're going to have opportunities to have filings out amongst yourselves. It's coming. Don't take the bait. Don't take the bait. As far as you are able, work to preserve the bond of unity in the spirit of peace, that's what right. this Stand up with me, let's pray together. Welcome everybody to the Troy First Assembly of God podcast. We created this podcast to share our weekly messages from the Word of God, and we're so glad that you're here.